It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I am Will. I am Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Melanie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are pleased to be joined by a special guest, Melanie. Thank Hi, you. Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Thought of habit for you, I suppose. Yes, it completely is. Completely is. All right. So, Melanie, you're a, uh, an old Babylon 5 fan, aren't you? No. Oh, no. you're a newbie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Well,. I'm afraid to ask you what you think of the show so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm I'm trying to stay optimistic. Um, I, I no, no, seriously, it, it's good, and there's been good episodes, but um, and I'm starting to see some. I'm a very anyone that's listened to any of my shows knows I'm a very character person. Um, not I like I like sci-fi, but it's not really what draws me into a show. Um, it's really the characters behind the show. Um, and so when we're getting more character development, like in this episode, honestly, it's been pretty good. Um, I've really been enjoying that. So, yeah. so Do you have it's, a favorite it's, episode so far? Um, I liked Soul Hunter a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not sure. I'm not, well, maybe opinion spoiler here, but I'm not sure if I should apologize for this episode or not. <laughs> tell you how I, I know about you it. Uh, I kind of have a crush on Franklin, so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, you're not the only one. <laughs> I was listening to Resurrection Cast, and some, one of your guests brought up Babylon 5, and I was like, ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> he started talking about some plot, and I was like, nope, get on listen. Really? You see, I don't think he would have gotten any feedback from us because none of us have seen it, actually. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, which is funny because um, two weeks before you guys started, uh, Tabs was on with us, um, and she was joking. She goes, "Oh my gosh, none of you guys have seen it. We're starting to cast together." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tabs. Hey. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I wasn't going to say there's there's plenty of good looking people on this show. Plenty yeah. of candy. <laughs> but again, another thing that the two shows have in common. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Apollo. <laughs> uh, I well. like Kosh myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a cheap guy myself. <laughs> Okay, well, the title of the episode we're doing today is Infection, but first we have an ISN report. ISN Special Report. 
Word has reached us from Babylon 5 of a dangerous creature terrorising the station. ISN reporter Mary Ann Kramer has managed to uncover information of possible illegal alien technology being utilised by a Dr Vance, a close personal friend of Dr Stephen Franklin, the chief medical officer aboard Babylon 5. And according to confidential sources, this technology directly led to the loss of innocent lives. For more on this story, be sure to tune in tonight for a glimpse inside the station on this, its second anniversary of its opening, with your host, Mary Ann Kramer. This episode aired on February 16, 1994. It was directed by Richard Compton, who also directed The Gathering and Midnight on the Firing Line, and it was written by JMS. So let's get to our recap then. My first note on this episode is, oh God, this episode. (laughs) So I knew what was coming, and I put this off halfway through the week. I just had to watch it. Uh, yeah, I couldn't really remember what happened until after we did the show last week. But then I was like, "Oh yeah, this one." You blocked it out on purpose. And I watched. <laughs> I watched it early. I had time off from work, so I watched it earlier than I used to the first time. And I kind of put my second viewing off to the last minute because I just didn't want to watch it again. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I have an overall question though. I don't know if you guys even know this, but um, was there a budgetary reason for why they don't have? you know, all the ambassadors in every episode or, for example, any of them in this episode? Or was it purely for story reasons? I don't know. I know they had to go on a pretty light budget, but I do kind of like it when shows don't feel the need to cram everyone in every episode, kind of like The Next Generation. Sometimes you'd see Dr. Crusher or Counselor Troy in for like two minutes in the last scene of the episode. But I don't know. Maybe Uh Ian knows more. I don't really know more. I just think it wouldn't kind of work in this episode with any of them. I mean, I know on, and this is just because, you know, low-budget sci-fi, I know at BSG, like, you would have characters like Lieutenant Kelly, who you would never see. You would see, like, twice in the entire show, right? And he's supposed to be, like, the third in command. Uh-huh. Um, and it was because they really couldn't afford to have him. Um, and that's why certain Cylons like Simon or, you know, you always see Leo Ben every once in a while and those types of things because maybe the actors were a little bit more expensive or they just couldn't have everybody there. So I don't know. Yeah. But also I'm always suspicious when it's a light episode for a specific character such as like in this Londo, if he's not going to be really, really, really prominent in the next episode. But I guess we don't do that. But I'm always suspicious yeah. like... Yeah, we had so. a Flander episode last week, so you yeah. know he was featured quite heavily then. And you know, in Don Hunter, that was kind of a land centric story. So I think you know yeah. they're trying to keep it quite light at the moment. Season one is your introduction to the series. It's called Size and Portents for a reason. So you they're going to keep it a bit light on the ground in terms of characters. I think to start with. Just uh-huh. so that, you know, everyone can be introduced to the characters and they've got room to breathe. Yeah, and they seem to be giving us a, like, really good introduction to each character. Like, I'm thinking that maybe we're going to get more of a Jakar-heavy episode because maybe his most heavy episode was the pilot movie. Right. And so, So I'm, like, wondering when his episode is going to happen. Yes, Jakar and Kodoth episode next week. Yes. 
Yoda. <laughs> I miss Kosh. Where's Kosh? Yeah. yeah. He's being like obtuse somewhere. <laughs> Although we did get mention of Vaughn technology in this episode. We did. Yeah. Well, this episode begins with an ISN reporter, Marianne Kramer, asking Garibaldi about the whereabouts of Commander Sinclair. And she has fabulous hair. <laughs> it's the best <laughs> 90s hair. Very 90s. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Marianne Kramer is played by Patricia Healy. She was oh, she's on a show called Profiler, and she was on Bless This House. I was just thinking, in 2014, her hair looks almost as alien as Londo's hair. <laughs> uh, it's got a down here as Miss Snippy Pants. Yeah. Snippy Pants. <laughs> yeah. I pretty much have her as reporter all the way through because I knew that they said her name, but I never picked up on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, what was her name? Sorry. Marianne Kramer. I kept writing reporter down because I couldn't remember her name. Didn't feel like going back to try to look it up, but I looked it okay. up on IMDb. So Garibaldi informs her that Sinclair took a fighter out to check out some damage and she wonders why somebody else is doing that. Like, don't you have somebody who can do that? And it kind of sets up what happens later. Uh-huh. I am so glad that that was pointed out and that it was talked about because we very heavily talked about it and it actually was going somewhere and they were noticing it. It wasn't just that he's our hero character so he has to do everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm glad they're actually shining a light on it instead of just letting him be this hero character that nobody ever questions. She hasn't seen Sinclair since she came on board, and this interview that she's supposed to have with him was set up earlier to celebrate the second anniversary of B5 going online. She thinks that Sinclair is avoiding her, and most people back home didn't think Babylon 5 would last that long. I like how at the end she asks where the bathroom is. I think it's kind of a joke about, like, on the Enterprise or... On the starships, they don't have a bathroom. You never see anybody going to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, okay. At least that's, yeah. that's how I looked at it. I'm not sure that's what they're going It's to. something I, I liked about um, Battlestar Galactica, for example. There's mm-hmm. bathrooms on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. So this has been like, what, 10 months or so since the pilot movie? Yeah, something. Around that. Is that right? So when the pilot movie took place, it had been over a year like, so it had been like 14 or so months since it opened. Right, something like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I found the the statistics interesting. It was like 500 to 1 against whether uh, <laughs> Babylon 5 would make it. <laughs> and the other four didn't last long. Um, and then he said something about non... Was this... Oh, no, that's the start of mine. That's later. Sorry. Keep going. So in Med Lab... Dr. Franklin gets a visit from an old teacher, Dr. Vance Hendricks, who is played by David McCallum. Uh, you might know him from The Man from Uncle back in the day, but he also plays Ducky on NCIS. I used yeah, to no. I used to watch NCIS reruns sometimes, and I didn't make the connection at first. He was really bothering me, and it wouldn't be from NCIS or the other show, so I don't know why, but he looks like somebody, and it was really bugging me uh. the entire time. He just, I don't know who it is, he looks like, he just looks like somebody, and I'm like, I don't know, but yeah, I'm crazy, but somebody yeah. from one of these shows, I guess. <laughs> well, um, JMS is kind of an anglophile, and I think he cast him because he was in The Prisoner, and uh. I mean, it's not really oh, okay. spoilery to say that, but... You know, it's. Uh, I 
there's an actor like this, he'll see, he'll really like the search show and he'll cast them mm-hmm. because, you know, he, he tries to get involved in almost every aspect of production. Okay. Oh, very cool. Dr. Vance, Dr. Hendricks offers the doctor the biggest adventures he's ever had. I just remember noticing this thing. Dr. looks so suave sometimes when he's talking like he's the coolest guy around. Like, what kind of adventure? Lady. Um, uh, um, I I don't know if we knew this before, but um, but Doctor Franklin is um, a geneticist. Right. Yeah. That's like his yeah, specialty. That seems no. <laughs> yeah, that he, seems yeah. new. Yeah. Geneticist and xenobiologist. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought so, that was a bit of interesting information, anyway. Yeah, because oh, wasn't and, it Ivanova that said that she was following his work, right? Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. He so she's following his genetics work. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it's in this bit or later on when um his mentor lists um a load of doctors. I think in a three of them. Well, the last one, Doctor Tucker Hashi, I think it is. Um, I heard on another show and I did a bit of research myself. That is also a real doctor. He specialises in genetics and neurobiology. Uh, cool. I thought that was a made-up person. No, no, that doctor is about at the moment. He's a professor now, so you know you've got two historical um, names that everyone will know, and someone who's doing work right at the moment that hmm. Doctor Franklin admires. Huh. Cool. Oh, Vance says the doctor will find out what kind of adventure soon enough, and tells the doctor to savor the mystery. So down in the cargo area, a man attacks a customs official after the official questions him about the items he's bringing on board the station. And next we see the opening credits. Well, are they, are they really only have one customs official? I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think yeah. so. Working yeah, by I'm, himself. Uh, Everyone yeah. else was at lunch. <laughs> I liked how yeah. the guy like um, shocked him or whatever and then closed his eyes nicely as he was laying him down. <laughs> I, I laughed. It's like Dexter almost. He just got thrill out of that. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. I was thinking really, you he could tell the guy was dodgy straight away. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They have to learn um, human body language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are non-sentient pets? I want to know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hmm. I don't think we want to know, actually. <laughs> um, I want to see them. They're like yeah. pets, but as pets that you name and stuff. It's a pet rock. Or... <laughs> yeah. Oh. Kamigachi. Yeah, maybe it's like a kamigachi, you know, like, or, um, I don't know. Well, um, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're sentient. <laughs> we're, all the aliens are sentient. I think it basically means, do you have any alien life forms here that be nice as a pet that aren't intelligent. <laughs> yeah. Right, any organic material at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So someone's going to bring in their pet sponge or something? You know, like... <laughs> SpongeBob. Uh... <laughs> right. Next we see Sinclair, Garibaldi, and Dr. Franklin examining the body of the customs guy. All signs point to natural causes that he had a heart attack. But Garibaldi says there's nothing in his medical records that suggest a heart condition. The doctor's going to perform an autopsy. Well, I was just, um, I was annoyed with Dr. Franklin in this scene. I was like, yeah. do your job. And, and yeah, they're pointing out that 
baby, you're not doing your job because he was all skippy. Although in my notes, I kind of, I think I've been watching, listening a bit too much intro to X because I've got at least he's not pulling a scully and <laughs> announcing the cause of death on, on site. At least he has an autopsy. At least he says he's going to perform an autopsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a little um, prickly when it comes to his job, I guess. Yeah, I noticed that in this episode they're you know talking about different med labs like med lab four and med lab whatever i didn't you know keep a note of which so do they have other doctors then yeah he's because there's another doctor taking care of dr franklin later when oh you're right you're right yeah he's i think he's head of staff he's the head of the um medical staff yeah because he said that he'd like have his best guy do the autopsy or something right and didn't we find out, was it last episode, how many people live there? Or where? Or, or did I dream that? <laughs> or it might have been... They mentioned this like episode... like half a million people or something? Yeah, a quarter of a million, wasn't a it? A quarter of a million yeah, it's in the intro, I think. Well, I think it was this episode, though, that yeah. someone specifically, maybe the reporter... No, it was the doctor said, like, you put this many people in danger. <gasps> oh, okay, oh. that's right. That's a lot of people for five miles long, I think. I mean, granted, it's three-dimensional, right? So they can go up and down and, and across, but yeah, a lot of people. That surprised me. Yeah. So back in med lab, Dr. Vance, who is an archaeologist, we find out he needs Dr. Franklin's help. He introduces Dr. Franklin to his assistant, Nelson, who the same man who murdered the customs guy. Okay, did anybody besides me catch Franklin's little smile when he saw Nelson for the first time? I didn't notice that. Okay, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a hello, Nelson smile. Kind of like I smiled <laughs> when I first saw Dr. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Would you like uh, to build on that theory here? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was just a little bit. I guess I'm the only one that noticed it. So I thought maybe they were going to make him gay. I don't know. I thought it, it seemed more sarcastic to me, the whole, oh. you know. But it's hard to say. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Nelson is played by Marshall Teague, who's had a lot of guest appearances, like a lot of the people we've had. He's been on various Star Trek shows, um, Friday Night Lights, Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, Nelson and Dr. Vance found something during a dig on Ikara 7. When Nelson shows Dr. Franklin what they found, at the same time they register an energy spike in the CNC. Dr. Vance explains that the dig was sponsored by Interplanetary Expeditions. They found some artifacts buried beneath the surface of Ikara 7, which is a dead world. Artifacts from a thousand years ago. Right, and they don't show any signs of aging. Dr. Franklin puts one of the artifacts in his medical scanner and finds living tissue. And this is something that Earth hasn't been able to figure out how to build living ships and weapons that power themselves. So my reaction to this was, and it's fitting, Melanie, that you're here. It's a Cylon. <laughs> I know that was fine too. I was like yeah. laughing. Yeah. Wow. By your command. Um, it was, yeah, yeah. He kind of even looked like like the old school, like a cross between the old school Cylon and like Dark Vader. It was really. Weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. so I'm sure it doesn't mean anything at all, but it seems like all these. Planets have these numbers after them. And is that like a, a thing that I just don't know about that's happening right now? Do astronomers name planets name and then number? Like we have 
Proxima 3, Akara 7, Ragesh 3. Um, I think there I are think some. So. I think yeah. there are some. Yeah, like I, think, I think the way they do it is, you know, you'll say Proxima is a star, and then planet number three. So oh, Proxima I see. Three. Uh, okay. So we're sun number three. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure our sun actually has a number. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Thank you. So, yeah, we if if we are planet did to have a name, it'd be Sol 3. There we go. Uh-huh. Okay. So Vance explains that he came to Stephen as soon as they arrived on the station and that they put the artifacts through the 48-hour quarantine procedure at the transfer station off Proxima 3. He goes on to say that the blue, the artifact is a blueprint for living machines. The Vorlons have living machines and some think that the Minbari have them. And he wants Dr. Franklin to help figure it out because he needs somebody he can trust and he plays on Dr. Franklin's ego a little bit, I think, because he wanted his name to go down in history, and in the end, Dr. Franklin agrees to help. Okay, so if the Membari have this technology, now I'm just, like, coming with wild speculation right now. I wonder if this has anything to do with the hole in his mind. <gasps> what if they took his mm. personality and put it into some tech, and we're going to see a Sinclair monster? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I like it. Yay. That would no, be awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting theory, that one, because, let's say, Membari might have it, but, you know, we've been at war with the Membari. You know, of course, the information on them would be a bit dodgy. And mm-hmm. they didn't um, finish that battle of life. They did surrender, after all, so they were clearly capable of taking out Earth. Uh, they stopped. Why? Being at war with them, we don't really know too about the technology, I suppose, you know. Considering they surrendered on the Battle of the Line when they easily could have won, they're definitely mysterious at the moment. Mm-hmm. It seems like they like to keep it that way. Also, yeah. In Nelson's quarters, we see that he's unpacking the artifacts. He opens one of them up, he gets zapped, and falls unconscious. So is this when we see the spot on his skin? Uh, that's... Uh, the next one in the med lab, we see that he isn't he isn't feeling well, and he notices that something's on his hand. It's like a I don't know, a bad rash or something. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I was like thinking that our theories were correct. You know that he had caught something yeah. mm-hmm. from the artifact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your theories were always correct. So, you know, something did on the station. In fact, well, in fact, one person. I would rest of the whole station. You to make, though. Yeah, thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> we were the title of the episode wrong. is Infection. <laughs> In CNC, Garibaldi informs Sinclair and Ivanova that they still think the customs guy down, died from natural causes, but they'll know more tomorrow. He's assigned a full security detail to cover the Narn Centauri negotiations next Tuesday. Hmm. They agree to call it a day, but Ivanova wants to stay around a little while longer to look for any more unusual energy spikes. And she reminds Sinclair about his interview the next day. He says that the last time he did an interview, he was told to relax and say what he really felt, but he said some things that got him in trouble. And Garibaldi says, you know, what's the worst thing you could happen? You can get fired and I could get promoted to commander. Is that how the line uh, works really good? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> future promotion like (laughs) yeah i don't think that would be his job he'd probably be out of a job because sinclair wouldn't be there anymore 
Yeah, I don't think that anybody's promoting Garibaldi to command. No. <laughs> no. Especially considering, um, oh, oh, no, it's wrong thing there. Sorry, it wasn't revealed yet. In Med Lab, we see Dr. Franklin is very focused. They've been working for 15 hours. Dr. Franklin wants to know what happens next if they can get the thing to work. Vance says they'll use it for profit. And Dr. Franklin doesn't like the idea of corporations funding expeditions to these other worlds and using what they find for profit. Uh, he's been checking up on interplanetary expeditions and can't find any information that he wants Dr. Vance to stop taking shortcuts. Yeah, it's interesting, like, just thinking about, I mean, nobody really controls space, so I guess if corporations wanted to, they could just go and loot all these planets, apparently, that they've found that had life on them. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I hope we get to see more of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting as well. It kind of touches on what they're saying about uh, future space exploration that, you know, cor- corporations are going to want to go to the asteroid belt and mine for minerals around there, and that's going to fund the future of space exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought that in this episode, uh, Elizabeth, I'm sort of on the other side about Dr. Franklin because he kept bothering me. Um, but <laughs> he, it was just like he was all high and mighty about archaeology, and I know it's because there was, like, money and corporations involved, but I was like, well, isn't that what archaeologists do? They find things from the past, and then you can learn from them and, like, improve mm-hmm. the future. And yeah, he was a little snarky about it. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, it was good enough for Indiana Jones. What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah, uh, Indiana Jones uh, he, never got into any trouble. <laughs> yeah, he is here, but um, I think it, the difference between this kind of archaeology and the kind of archaeology we've got at the moment is that off-world archaeology, you can find technology centuries ahead of your own or even more thousands of years far more advanced than what you already have mm-hmm. and his argument is you should put in the hard work you should understand the steps you need to get through to get to this level of technology otherwise if you take the shortcut can sorts of problems um we actually see one of the problems here in this episode actually well, in a way, would cause yeah. a shortcut, right? Because the Karan uh, came about the technology themselves, in theory, and they still misused it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's only as good as who's using it, really. Yeah, so there is that as well. Yeah, I was just trying to put forward an argument. If, uh, those, no, I mean, I, right. maybe he has his own problems with uh, Hendrix, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there, I did have one other note on this scene that um, when Hendrix is like, I don't know why he seemed to try to be getting him to stop working, but he was, like, bugging him. And I was like, does it really seem like a good idea to be bugging him while he's working on this thing that you want him to be working on? I just, I didn't get the... Yeah. Yeah, they had a really weird relationship. Like, I I don't know. Like, on some levels, it was almost like, um, you know, he I was like, you're really worse his teacher, his mentor? Like, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird, a weird dynamic between those two, but... Mm-hmm. Almost know. a little yeah. competitive. Yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of agree with you, Heidi. I thought Franklin was a little bit of a douche in this episode. Um, <laughs> it's hard, a cute douche, but still a douche. <laughs> right, oh. he's still like a <laughs> cat, but. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, in the Zocalo, Garibaldi and the reporter discuss how Garibaldi came to Babylon 5 and his record prior to joining the station. He was fired five times due to personal problems, and this was his last chance, and he doesn't go, to go into detail about his previous hmm. record. Yeah. I want to know about this record, is what I want to know. <laughs> I'm guessing it's what sexual harassment. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah, he needs to stop yeah. hitting on every female that comes aboard. No. <laughs> I know. It's the station. Yeah. Well, I was, I had theorized that maybe he had killed somebody either accidentally or whatever, you know, uh, in the past. Uh, I don't know if I feel that way anymore. They made it seem like it wasn't that. I mean, it, if he keeps getting hired five, six times afterwards, um, I don't know. Like, I wonder what it is. Maybe anger issues or I don't know. Five Probably some type is, of. Oh, go ahead. So I would just say five times is a parliamentary uh, record at least, you know. Yeah. Being head of security. Yeah. She said it was personal problems. Personal problems usually makes me think of like drinking, you know, gambling, some kind of addiction. That could be. He keeps trying to yeah. overthrow the person above him. <laughs> Even if they're not directly above him. It sounded like I just got like an insubordinate vibe from him, but I hope it's more interesting than that because that's just kind of, you know, that he had an attitude problem. It's just kind of, I don't know. I'm sure it is yeah. more interesting than that because why would they bring it up? But <laughs> um, yeah. I, I agree. I hope it has a little bit more. Uh, but but an insubordinate attitude could cause some major things, major problems, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if you're with a commander you don't necessarily have a relationship with. So um, it could, but this is like the third or fourth time they've hinted at it. Yeah, in the past. that's true. And so I hope it's like bigger than that. You know, there's there was a. Oh real, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Otherwise, just come out and say he has an attitude problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're definitely building towards something anyway. In Nelson's quarters, he pulls out an artifact and attaches it to his chest. It's never going to be good. No. <laughs> no. No. And this is where the makeup starts getting bad. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, I love the literal metaphor there. Like, he attaches it to his chest. I was like, oh, dear Lord. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, it's just when they go, like, a little over the top with the metaphors. I mean, this is just them. It's a critique about all sci-fi shows. It's like, okay, come on, guys. Really? <laughs> no. His heart is no you know, a rock, and I don't know. In med lab, the doctor enters, and he's followed by Nelson. Nelson says, protect, and zaps the doctor with his arm. Uh, Just a quick note. I thought, because when when the doctor, Franklin, came in to the the lab, it was at night. I thought it looked so cool. They had, like, these little cutouts and that were lit up in the background, and I don't know. I just had that written down because I thought it looked cool. But, um, yeah, apparently his zappy thing is not fatal. and Or maybe he didn't have enough power. Yeah, that what he it was, was really low on power at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, sorry to burst the bubble a bit with the whole cutout thing with the light shining through, looking really cool. They would basically did that to save money, so they'd only build part of the set and then create, design it so that there'd be panels and light coming through the panels. It just to save money, really. Well, you know, necessity of the mother of invention, so. That's right. It yeah. can look cool. <laughs> Cutting corners. Yeah. Um, Literally here. Yeah. The next day, Garibaldi updates Sinclair on Franklin's condition. Franklin says that the design of the 
organic weapon reminds him of the artifacts they were working on. Sinclair orders Garibaldi to see if the artifacts went through customs. Franklin explains that Nelson is working for Dr. Vance, the same guy who brought the artifacts on board. They had these little blue sticks that they were waving around his body. Yeah, this future... <laughs> Future, future technology. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing, but it looked cool. Um, they were sensing his temperature, or I don't know. It's weird. That's all I have there. But uh, he had his shirt off, so I did. Oh, yeah, I noticed. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, we get a quick shot of Nelson walking through the station, but then we see Sinclair and Garibaldi questioning Vance. There's no record of the artifacts being quarantined, but Vance says that, you know, Nelson said that he checked them in. Uh, Sinclair says he's going to hold Vance responsible for anything that happens. Dr. Vance explains that the artifacts have limited energy and in order to achieve mobility, they have to graft themselves to another life form. He thinks Nelson is under their full control and he doesn't know yet what their purpose is. Vance wants to help Dr. Franklin figure out what the artifact wants to protect. Sinclair agrees. Elsewhere, we see Nelson say protect and he zaps some more guys. And they detect another energy spike in the CNC. Yeah, yeah this was more... a cool effect, though. They had those shadows yeah. on the wall. That was pretty yeah, cool. Two more dead down below us. Yeah, RIP down below us. Uh, really, yeah. those corridors are very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, not a safe place to leave it down below. Yeah, no, they're the red shirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this scene, oh yes, with the energy spike. Um, I think that's interesting, the way that they're able to monitor how things are happening in in Babylon 5. Like, they get energy spikes. Do they also see, like, heat frequencies or, like, I don't know, vibrations? And, you know, like, it's, it's interesting, their technology and how they monitor what goes on. Uh, JMS uh, was saying that they're able to see these energy spikes because they were so powerful, but regular gunfire that we've seen before wouldn't be detectable. Ah. Uh, well, considering, so you mean like a laser um, gun? Yeah. Yeah, considering the amount of power the station itself is put out, you know, that probably usually blankets anything else that can be detected. And I guess they don't have cameras because, you know, they wouldn't want anybody to feel uncomfortable or whatever. I mean, it seemed like that would solve a lot of problems, but okay. Yeah. Haven't they? They had those video footage cameras. before of something. Didn't they watch something? I'm making this up. <laughs> well, they watched the Ruggish 3 stuff. Um, well, and, uh, when in the pilot, they, t- they took cameras with them to take a yeah. uh, recording of what went on. Okay. So if they want to see what's going on, they actually have to put cameras in place. Okay. That's probably what I'm remembering. Because they have those little cameras that float in the air, like at the end when the reporter was interviewing him, and they had <clears throat> those cameras there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we see Nelson lurking around some more, and then Garibaldi reports two fatalities in Grace Sector, and Sinclair moves it to a level two alert. Kramer, she arrives in the CNC and asks Sinclair about the station, claiming it's news and people have a right to know. This is the only thing that gets me. I don't know if it only happens on TV, but reporters trying to, you know, barge into a sensitive situation saying it's news. People have a right to know about this. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I think it's not good to, you know, you have to keep information from getting out there it's, you know, for the time uh, being. At well, least. Um, 
What's her name on um? What's it? Bath are the same during the um, Colonial um, the episode. I think it was. You know the one with the um. Are you talking about Battlestar? Mar- yeah, Battlestar. That you had. Um, yeah, Diana Blair. That's it. And her, her, she, she did very similar things, you know, trying to push her way into military secrets. Well, you have, like, Diana, who was very um, hands-on and was trying to get in, um, and she was doing, like, the documentary. And then um, Battlestar does a little bit with uh, the media in general because they also had um, the reporter lady that we're always making fun of on our show, and I can't, I don't even know if she has a name, but um, she was like, you know, head of like the kind of like the entertainment tonight, I think, of the show or I don't know, something like headline yeah, news or something. Yeah. yeah and she was uh, always like going around the way to get through it. So um there's like two, I guess, methods, you know. You know, she would like, you know, sleep with Baltar to get information and stuff. So I, I don't know. But so, which uh, seems like a very effective way to, you know, get information <laughs> on that show, but just saying, um or on any show. But um <laughs> Uh, it reminds me when I was watching the first time we get to the scene where Deanna is interviewing Lee in the locker room. Yeah. And my roommate was just happened to be walking by when that scene came on. And from then on out, I had someone to watch <laughs> BSG. <laughs> <laughs> Is this where Ivanova threatens violence against the reporter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she yeah. tries to, you know, bar her. And yeah, that's one of my quotes later on. Because now this is at least the second, if not the third time, she's threatened violence against somebody. So I want to see that happen at some point. <laughs> I want to see a fight or something. Next we see Garibaldi and his men. They are cautiously following Nelson. I guess it isn't really Nelson anymore at this point, but I keep I kept calling him Nelson. They're in gray five. They fire on him, but they're unable to hurt him. He burns through a sub-level and escapes. So for, like, this whole section, I just pretty much have lots of fighting with the Cylon winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of like their leather security outfit, or top. <laughs> it was very interesting. I guess that's for protection. I don't know. It looked weird. I'm not sure it was really leather. Like, I think it was something made to look like leather. Like, I was trying to figure this out, but it was like... <laughs> I don't think it's leather. <laughs> it's shiny, I guess, and patchy. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it was, uh, it it was it stood do, out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it didn't do much good in the pilot, did it? No. In MedLab, Dr. Franklin has found a data storage device, and he also finds the device that Nelson used on the security, the customs official. In C&C, they deduced that Nelson would go to an area with a high population that he needs to recharge every time he uses his weapon. The latency period is getting shorter and shorter. Oh my god, he's like the judge. Sorry, we haven't made a Buffy reference yet. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wrote it. I wrote that down. I was like, when did we start going into Hero or the judge? <laughs> yes, or, hero, I mean, thank like, you. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I was like, okay. <laughs> Nelson's getting stronger, and pretty soon he'll be powerful enough to destroy the entire station. The next chance they get to stop him might be the last. Ooh. You know, they said that, but it really didn't feel that dire. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. (laughs) They did do a very good job of making him seem very scary to me. No. We see Garibaldi evacuating a populated area. 
In CNC, they detect another energy spike headed Garibaldi's way. Uh, they try to trap him to slow him down a little bit, but he starts blasting through the door. Next, we see Dr. Franklin talking to Sinclair. He's accessed the artifact's memory bank for one of the artifacts. He's learned that the Akarans were invaded over half a dozen times, and they created an energy weapon capable of adapting to any situation. It's hardwired to respond to anyone that isn't pure Ikaran, but how do you define a pure Ikaran or a pure anything? Because no one is pure. Excuse me. Interesting. This was a super clumsy metaphor. I have many problems with this. Um, First of all, the demonizing of the Ikarans. Okay, if somebody is invaded more than six times, uh, I could see why they would create a weapon to help them, okay? But then automatically saying that it has to go against pure Ikarans and that they were doing it based on ideology rather than uh, rather than science. I don't know. It just didn't work for me at all. I mean, if they were using... Yes, <clears throat> they said they were using like um, some political people and some scientific people to create the weapon. But really, they're this advanced and they didn't think of this as a possible outcome, you know, and maybe create more uh, flexible parameters. I mean, this didn't work for me at all. All they could have said, they they took a genetic sample from their leader, and as he was the best example of their race, in their eyes, they used his DNA. Whereas the rest, you know, there's still variations in, you know, everyone's DNA. Everyone's DNA isn't exactly the same. So right. the only one left in the end would have been the leader, and he died of old age. Yeah, it or just, he committed it just suicide. seems like this would be a pretty easy, you know, outcome to predict. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. And to equate it to the Nazis, I mean, do we have... How yeah. many times are we going to equate things to Nazis? Mm-hmm. Well... Uh, yeah, my quote was, well done, Infection. You've just Godwin to yourself. <laughs> I think they just went too far. When you go too far with the metaphor, I mean, I understand, um, you know, wanting to use a racist or a, a Nazi metaphor. It's interesting. I mean, it works to a degree on shows, and they keep doing it because it's easy to do, and it works, and everyone understands it. But I don't think it was necessary for this episode. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. It just seemed like it took it a step too far. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they could have, you know, they could have made a compelling story about somebody who was victimized so much that they then became the aggressor. You know, that's an interesting story. But to turn it around to this, like, you know, Nazi regime was a bit odd to me. I, I don't know. I just don't think it fit. Does that make sense? I don't know. But. And we have a rich um, supporting cast of different races that somehow could have been integrated into this story. But instead, we have to come up with this entirely new race that I have no, I know nothing about, <laughs> you know. So, I don't know. And, I'm, an, it, and I'm not sure I want to know anything about right. it. <laughs> Sinclair meets up with Garibaldi on the line, putting himself in danger again. And they open fire on Nelson, but Nelson escapes through the ground. Nelson grabbed a weapon from one of the other security guards. Yes, I was like, didn't he bring his own? Now, what's that that security guy meant to do now? Right, he just (laughs) has to leave. Yeah, it sets a duck. Reminds me of Halo. I don't know if any of you played the game, but you can (laughs) take a weapon off of one of your people, and I'm like, okay, what is this guy going to do now? (laughs) 
Um, um, in the in the scene before when they were talking about the Ikarans and how the machines turned on their creators, I was like, again, Cylons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Complete uh, Cylons. Yeah. <laughs> Sinclair decides to lure Nelson to a to a dock area by making it mad and blowing it out in airlock. Course. Except he doesn't do that. He decides to talk the monster down. Yeah. Uh, next we see <laughs> he's calling out the calling out his original name by taunting it, and Sinclair gets his butt kicked pretty bad. <laughs> he just tossed around a lot and lures him into the airlock. But instead oh. of okay, so when Sinclair Sinclair is like hiding behind the corner and talking, I'm guessing over a loudspeaker, you know, through his hand communicator. He almost looked like he was going to start giggling. <laughs> like he was getting one up on this guy. Like he was I know. <laughs> He's like, yeah, 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 totally funny, this guy. It was so bizarre. I was like, why is he laughing? Well, were you thinking he was going to go, na, 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 you can't catch me. It's like he's all, he's falling for it. <laughs> it was so weird. Uh, yeah. And his his yelling, his yelling. Oh my god. No. Your name. <laughs> what does he say? Your name is dead. Like, okay. <laughs> um. yeah. That's bad. When he's bad. yelling at him, like face to face, he doesn't blink. Watch it again. His eyes are open so wide and he's like not blinking. <laughs> oh. He's so overacting. It's hilarious. Sorry, well, Sinclair whole- lovers. <laughs> this whole thing was. um it was like, okay, he just got this information, like, I don't know, 10 minutes ago, and he got a very little amount of information, and he is inferring the rest of this. Like, it's basically like he has built the rest of this story that he's now taunting this alien life form with. And, I mean, it worked, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure it should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, somehow he knew that he could access the memories of Nelson, because I don't... Did they ever say that? I don't think so. Yeah. No. Uh. He makes an intuitive leap. Yes, he's good at that stuff, I guess. I actually kind of thought for for a moment that he was going to be put out the airlock, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I was okay with it. Yeah. I was like, Go ahead, pull over, little blaze of glory, but that's, it, it's impossible. We wouldn't have the story then of what, what the hole in his mind was. That's right. We have to find that out first. Then he the whole of his mind is apparently his personality. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Sorry. This is, this is what happened in the 90s. You know, we have Mulder, we have Sinclair. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, Sinclair convinces the weapon Nelson to power down. He pulls the thing off his chest and destroys it. He says... He said, great maker, forgive us this madness. And I don't know if this is significant. I honestly don't remember, but haven't we heard Londo say, um, great maker? Yes. We've heard, I didn't know it was Londo. I can't remember who it was, but I wrote that down because we had, we had heard somebody say great maker before. Yeah. Oh, one random, uh, note I had. So when he gets pushed into all those chairs, I was like, oh my God, they still have those molded orange plastic chairs in the future. <laughs> and when the when the cylon kills himself it was so (laughs) overly dramatic oh my gosh i know right did he die i couldn't figure it out he died 
Well, right? he, I helped. I don't know. Well, the Nelson did, died, died, but maybe the human. Yeah, yeah you had you had almost an equivalent of no from Star Wars, didn't you? Uh huh. <laughs> In Med Lab, yeah, Vance wants to know how Nelson is, and he's resting. So Nelson oh, lives. That's right. Nelson's alive. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Franklin confronts Vance with the device that he found, says that it's meant for cardio stimulation, but if it's used on a healthy person, it could cause a heart attack. And Nelson has confirmed that Vance knew that the artifacts didn't go through quarantine. We get a scene. Um, Vance explains that interplanetary expeditions is a front for a bioweapons supplier. Vance wanted to be sure that the artifacts were what he expected so he could get millions from interplanetary expeditions. He didn't plan for anybody to get hurt and he didn't know how uh, Nelson would get the items through customs. Uh, he's, uh, go ahead. <laughs> That's not a good excuse. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. I just told him to get them through. I didn't know what he was going to do. Anyway, you can. Yeah. He says that you know, he and Steven could still make a lot of money if Steven doesn't turn him in, but the doctor's already done so. Yeah, yeah I never thought that Dr. Franklin would go for it. He doesn't seem like that type. No. This is the typical, the villain uh, explains his whole evil scheme. <laughs> Next, we're in Sinclair's quarters. Garibaldi confronts him about putting himself in danger so often. This is the third time in the last year. Garibaldi was also in the war and knows a lot of men who were changed. And a lot of them look for ways to go out in a blaze of glory because that's easier than finding something worth living for. Sinclair doesn't have an answer for him and thinks that maybe he should. Thanks, Garibaldi, and Garibaldi leaves. Yeah, I think that's a good reason because I didn't even think about that. I think that happens to a lot of people when they come back from the war. Yeah. Um, there wasn't that... I can't remember if it was... Um, what was that movie? Uh, oh, God. Catherine Bigelow directed um, the one that... Oh, yeah, the Hurt Zero Locker. Dark 30, or did, oh, no, the Hurt Locker. Wasn't that, isn't that movie yeah. where he comes back and he's like in the grocery store? And yeah. yeah. I think that's just like a great, you know, scene because it really, you know, is a good contrast between their experiencing life and death constantly when you're in a war. And just everything just seems so meaningless when you get back home. There's no. I, go ahead. No, I, I guess my only problem with that is I wish they would portray PTSD a little bit more realistically because I they're trying to say that he has PTSD but you don't get that from Sinclair ever. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing in his portrayal that shows no. that. Does that make any sense? Is it sense? PTSD oh. though or is it because I thought PTSD was more like you're having waking terrors or night terrors or you know it was it was more think, like you're experiencing the trauma a lot. I think there's um different levels of PTSD, oh, but yes, like yeah. yeah, I mean there's also the people that just become massively depressed and can't find you know um, yeah. anything and just kind of um I just watched Razor, but like um the girl Kendra in that was very mm -hmm, um, that's true yeah you know yeah so yeah, yeah and yep. this is just more that he just has kind of come back with a hero complex and or a death wish yeah yeah yeah. And that could just be it, too. I mean, I guess we don't know that Giovanni was right, but they made it sound like he was. And I was just like, well, they should be doing a better job with it because I don't see that this guy wants to die. You know, I, I'm just not getting that from him. But I could I be mean, wrong. At least they're raising it, you know. I mean, other shows would just let your hero go off and do all this stuff, put himself in, in danger and never address it. Uh-huh. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and he probably doesn't even realize, you know, 
what he's doing. Um, or he's, at least it seems like he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, he was also wearing leather shoulder pads. I just wanted to add that. <laughs> <laughs> In the Zocalo, Ivanova and Franklin discuss the growing pro-Earth movement back home. There are rumors of hate groups targeting aliens. Franklin wonders if things we've seen in this episode or a preview of things to come on Earth. Ivanova yeah, doesn't, I have theories. Yeah, Ivanova doesn't think they'd be that foolish. And as soon as she says that, some guys acting on behalf of Earth government confiscate the artifacts so they can be studied for planetary security reasons. Ivanova excuses herself to go get drunk with the rest of the aliens. Uh, was this yeah. the same scene where they were talking about... I can't remember if this was this scene or the previous scene where they were talking about the Akara and they fought against the invaders like Earth fought against the Minbari. Right, I think it was this this scene. Yeah. Okay, so there was a line that said that the Akara and they fought against the invaders like we, or Earth, fought against the Minbari. So they became obsessed with it. And I couldn't figure out if they were saying that the Minbari invaded Earth or like they were similar because they were both invaded or because they both became obsessed with it but um because i have my ongoing theory about the earth membari war but um yeah this whole pro-earth movement thing i i don't know if i should save it for my the theories no i'll save it for the theories part of the episode but it was very interesting just out of interest does anyone know who the um big part security guards were because the smaller guy looked familiar somewhere no i don't look him up uh he just he looked really familiar from something and I can't place his face. Uh, next we see Kramer, the reporter, interviewing Sinclair. She asks him if uh, they should forget about space and worry about the problems at home. Sinclair says, I know if they have to stay here. And one thing that scientists do agree on is eventually the sun will grow cold and go out. And when that happens... It won't just take humanity, it'll take the culture with it, and everything would have been for nothing unless they go to the stars. Cue Elizabeth's rant. <laughs> well, okay. Am I going to go into it? Go I, I like the sentiment. I get. I like the sentiment about it, because, I mean, that is sort of the whole thing about existentialism, you know? Why are we here? What's the meaning of it? You know, if we don't keep exploring, and, you know, eventually, yes, of course, eventually the world... Well, it won't. Never mind. I'm sorry, the science. I just—he said this is something every scientist agree on, agrees on, and then he started his sentence with "if a hundred years." Uh, just bug me. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a few billion years, and we'll already be dead by then. So, <laughs> I mean, it's lazy, right? That's all. It's early show. days. I blame it on early days of the show. You know, he hasn't fully got his style down yet. And yeah. But I like I the sentiment say- because I take his point, right? Because, yeah, eventually, you know, Earth will not be uh, or it will be uninhabitable. So, you know, I think it's <clears throat> I think it's something that just we just have ingrained in us is to explore and to learn. Um, so, yeah, it's a good overall thought. That's where it ends, isn't it? Yeah, that's the end of the episode. Uh, I remember last time I watched this, I was going through like a rough period. And one of the highlights of every day was coming home after work and watching an episode or two 
And one of, my, one of my favorite parts was the end credits here in the theme song and the part at the end. Babylon 5 is brought to you by Babylonians Inc. And blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so I always yeah. listen to the end of the credits. Oh, you know what? I don't even know if I've ever heard that. <laughs> I should listen next time. Yeah, I will. It like a shorter episode than the other ones because I think it was only like 43 minutes. Uh, Isn't that a little shorter than the other ones? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I think I was going to say it's just less happened in this episode (laughs) than any one so far. It just feels lighter. Yeah. I wonder if there was a a bigger point that he wanted to make with bringing the reporter on. Um, It didn't seem like there was much going on there. Um, I mean, they brought to the thing at the end, but I don't know. Yeah, she wasn't utilized very much. No, I wonder if she's going to stick around or it doesn't seem like it seems like she's, you know, an ISN reporter and she goes different places. So, uh, well, well, one thing it does, it shows a connection to Earth, shows you what Earth's thinking of Babylon 5. I think maybe that might have been the idea and also a way of giving uh, Sinclair the quote at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they could have gone a couple different ways with this episode. It could have either been an infection that really was an infection, like it was transmutable from person to person and um, it created a real sense of urgency, or they could have tackled the metaphor a little better and used, you know, some of the characters we know from different races. And right. It was kind of like a weird way to go about it for me, but I never really felt a sense of urgency. I didn't care about Nelson at all, and um, I knew they weren't going to, you know, uh, do any real damage. I don't know. And then we just kind of got this weird uh, racism metaphor. Uh, <laughs> well, not even really a metaphor. It's like text. So um, I think they okay. could have gone. I, you know what? I, but, I, but, but I do think they're going to do more with this in the future. So maybe it's just like a kind of an introduction to the idea, and then we'll explore it better in the future. Because they... I have theories. <laughs> we, brought, we brought up Mulder and Scully in this episode a couple of times already. How do you reckon they would have handled this situation? I don't know. Well, I don't really Scully watch... wouldn't have believed there was any alien involvement at all, and that <laughs> it was an actual <laughs> biological infection that made him completely look <laughs> like that. Um, which actually, the makeup a little bit reminded me of the episode where they were on like that submarine and they yeah. if they needed water, but they were looking like they were old. It kind of looked like that a little. Okay. Yeah, would Boulder have talked the alien down, or would he have? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it, there would have been horrible acting involved, much like Sinclair, and so it could have really yeah. been interchangeable. <laughs> he would have defeated him with love. That's how you would defeat everything. <laughs> Thinking now, we need to do a intro show mashup where you know crossover episodes and stuff. I wonder. We need. Hmm, I know of one actor that's. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> crossover people that have been on both shows. But anyway, I think Amazon accidentally mini spoiled me. Because I went on Amazon and they were like recommended for you because I had bought, you know, the first three seasons and they had a <clears throat> a picture of the cover of one of the seasons. I don't know which I tried. And there was an unfamiliar person on the cover. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's well, hard I'm... not to get spoiled. It really is. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. you know what? I was spoiled about Mark Shepard coming on BSG, which was awful because it would have been amazing. You know, he just all of a sudden <laughs> disappeared. And I would have been like, oh, my God. But yeah. Um, 
but you know, it is what it is. You can't really. It, it's going to happen. I mean, I, yeah, I'm and sure it was, I've been and I wasn't even. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No. Oh, I'm just being. I'm, uh, I'm sure I've been massively spoiled for Babylon Five in the past. I just don't remember, you know, because it right. wasn't yeah. in my mind. Yeah. And now it's in my mind. I'm like everything. Yeah. Well, right, um, like well, I'm pretty sure I know I would have read at some point the end of BSG, but I have absolutely no memory of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it was so much because people were, you know, I was on the Lost Sports. I'm sure I read it, you know, but I have oh, no sure. idea. Yeah, but I, I don't remember what it was that it didn't have any meaning to me at the time. So, you know. Yeah. That's, That's kind of good. Yeah. better minds. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like at X-Files, how Claire is always saying that the DVD menu spoil the show. I think they make it more for people that have already seen the show and not mm-hmm. newbies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Will and I have kind of talked about this uh, for um, Babylon 5 already, and there might be a way to get around a big spoiler that the box set gives for season two for you and Heidi. Sorry, Elizabeth and Heidi there. Um we might be a way around spoiling something that uh, the box set does really badly. Well, I just won't look at the pictures. You mean on the the pictures of the box set? Well, it, it's it's on the box sets and it's on the menu screen, which mm-hmm. is really yeah. bad. So it, we've got to find a way of getting the episodes to you that don't spoil a really big thing that happens. I will try to shut my eyes. We just cover like it. apparently so on my someone. Oh, go ahead. Oh, on the BSG ones, the Final Five Cylon is on there. I have not been allowed to. I know, no. When Courtney gave it to me for our wedding gift, she told me Michael had to look at it. I haven't tried. I don't want to know. I don't. I have no desire. I spent the entire series knowing one of the Cylons. I don't want to know <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Oh, anything. yeah. Yeah. No. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they give away so much on those DVD boxes, which Ugh. is funny because you never know. You might have somebody to just pick up the DVD somewhere, you know? It just, I don't know. I don't know why, but I don't think the producers of the show actually have anything to do with the DVD covers. Yeah. I'm so. almost yeah. positive of that, yeah. yeah. I don't want to go to a not- topic, but for the season yeah. six of Dexter, the DVDs had this unskippable preview that had the last shot entire season oh. on it. Oh my word. And you go to the Amazon page and wow. you see people just ranting about this preview. <laughs> well, yeah, some people actually do buy DVDs to watch something for the first yes, time, I, I imagine. I know. And the, uh, again, the um, plot synopses on the uh, Babylon 5 discs, half of them give away the plot, and the other half make no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, some quick notes. This was the first episode produced after The Gathering, and it kind of shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. Um, many people consider this to be the weakest episode of the entire series. Really? <laughs> oh, that's wow. good to know. I didn't it's, think it was quite that bad. bad. <laughs> no. It's definitely one of them. It's definitely one of the weakest episodes. Yeah, wow. JMS kind of agrees with that. He said that you know, it had been so long since the pilot was produced, so he had to kind of find the fingerprints of the characters again. And there's just nothing to do except just, you know, keep going and get your feet back under you. Um, he said that the problem, the story had problems. It became more about the guy in the machine than it was about, you know, what kind of people would make the machine, what kind of people would try to sell the machine, what kind of people would take it and without knowing what it does. 
So, yeah, he sounds like he wanted it to be more about the characters and the plot, and it ended up being more about the plot than the characters. Yeah, he was like, he was saying, like, once you put the guy in the machine, the episode kind of had to be about that. Yeah, and it was for a very long time. Like, there was so much just trying to fight him, and you seen him blasting people, and it it really was a lot of the episode. Mm-hmm. So it ended with still like seven minutes to go. So that was kind of good. Yeah, I was actually surprised that there was so much left after Mm -hmm. it was done. It was almost like the end of Lord of the Rings where there were several (laughs) endings. I was like expecting it to be done after Garibaldi talked to Sinclair. And then I was like, oh, it's still going. I was sitting going for another hour. (laughs) Like the Lord, like the Return of the King. Hmm. The Hobbit, the Hobbit that should have ended at one part and kept going for another two hours, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Don't get me started on that. But um, you had this beautiful, okay, I'm not going to do it, but yeah, there was a beautiful speech (laughs) that Bilbo gave. It was beautiful, it was gorgeous, it would have been a perfect ending to the show, but no, they have to keep going. And I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah, every aspect of the book must be filmed. And Even every aspect plus um, five extra books, yeah. <laughs> plus lots of slow motion. This is why I say the Silmarillion should not be made into films. It might no. make an interesting TV series, but you'd have to do it really well. But you don't want to make it into a film. I just hope the guy Peter Jackson never thinks about doing the similar. I mean, that would be horrible on many levels. I just I pity that. I like him. I'm not dissing him. It's just. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> sorry, way right. off topic. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> uh, how about our favorite quotes of the week? I'll start off. Garibaldi to Kramer. The one with the blue marker is for methane breathers only. I'd steer clear if I were you. Love that. I had that <laughs> one too. And I also loved it because it gives us more of kind of the science of everything. Like, I'm... I'm taking chemistry classes right now. And so it it just kind of makes you think, well, yeah, it's a different world. They have different gases. And it just, yeah, it's cool. We've talked about it before, but I like it still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Um, okay, I have a Garibaldi to Sinclair. <clears throat> Don't sweat it. Just be that charming, effervescent commander we've all come to know and love. Aw, <laughs> I had that one. <laughs> <laughs> like who? What? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will go with Ivanova. Don't. You're too young to experience that much pain. <laughs> I like that. Even though it doesn't, I'm not yeah. sure it really makes sense, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's Russian. That's right. <laughs> so I've got one right back at the beginning. Garibaldi again. If that thing leaves a waxy yellow buildup on anything, I'm coming back. <laughs> Ew. All right. That is disgusting. <laughs> Melanie, do you have any? Yeah, I have. No, I have one more. I have Hendrix to Franklin, um, and it's Stephen. There's a Martian war machine parked outside. They want. They would like a word to you about the common cold. Franklin, tell them to make an appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The reporter said, "Care to comment on any of that?" And Garibaldi says, "I'd rather have my tonsils taken out through my ears." That's the Neverbesic Commander we all know and love. <laughs> so how about our characters of the week, human of the week? This was hard. Yeah, this week was hard. 
Mm. Especially for the alien of the week. <laughs> so many choices. But yeah, yeah, no kidding. I... That one was chosen by default, <laughs> actually. Um, okay, so favorite, favorite human? Either... Um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Favorite were you guys human. dressing me? Oh, no. Favorite human? Uh, oh, no, um, no, we're just, oh, okay. just trying to figure out who to go for, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I, don't know. Yeah, uh, I, think I wrote down been... Franklin because he was in this episode, basically. Um, that was the only <laughs> reason why. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, I go for Franklin, yeah, too, I think. Um, I went with Garibaldi because he pointed out the things that we were pointing out last week, and I was really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garibaldi or Franklin, I'm not sure really. Yeah, yeah, I could go with Garibaldi. Write anybody down. I'm really not sure whether to go for Garibaldi or Franklin. They both got it this week, as far as I'm concerned. You're the swing vote, Ian. You have to decide. <laughs> okay. No, I've got to go with Garibaldi. Okay. He he had the slant this week. That was the second week in a row we picked Garibaldi. And the episodes aren't even about him when we pick him. <laughs> so we have, for aliens, we have two options, right? We have the Akarin and the guy that was selling the uh, aphrodisiac. Those are okay, all, we do have two there. options. <laughs> I have a different option, but okay. it's, it's kind of a sarcastic option. Um, Avadala, because she refers to herself as an alien. Uh. But, yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm cheating, because I didn't want to choose between those two, but... Maybe we should call it non-human of the week. <laughs> Non-sentient pet? <laughs> oh, good idea. I like that. <laughs> Actually, that's probably the best one to go for, because although we don't see it, that tends to the best image. <laughs> the non-sentient pet. I, I think I can agree with that. Yeah. Right. Yay, non-sentient Yay. pet. Yay. Sorry, Karin. Yeah, well, I had uh, 2R down, and I put next to it by default. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, an alien that's not even shown on screen gets alien of the week. Right. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So let's do our episode ratings. This might be be painful. How do we want to start out, Melanie? Um, Okay, I can do it. Um, I'm going to give it uh, three... Really badly constructed Nazi metaphors. Three out of ten? Three out of ten, yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe a three and a half. I might give it a three and a half. I think. Go with what you Yeah. I think, you know, it. The problem with this episode is I think it had good ideas, but it was clumsy constructed and there were too many of them. Like, they needed to, like, focus, um, which is the same, ironically, the same constructive. bad episode like if you think of like something like black market which had good ideas but there were way too many of them in one episode so i don't know that's what i'm thinking and that's what i think of this episode it just had way way too much stuff going on um and really not that much stuff going on does that make any sense i don't know it's like at the same time too many ideas and not enough execution i don't know yeah exactly yeah uh how about you heidi okay well I actually didn't go as low to begin with, but through talking about it, I actually lowered my rating a little bit. So um, I am going to give it five out of ten Cylons. <laughs> Elizabeth? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I didn't care for it. 
Um, I didn't hate it because we got some forward momentum on Sinclair's character. Um, so I think that was a positive. Um, and I think, at least I hope, it's setting up for future episodes. Um, so I was kind of waffling between a four and a five. So I'll give it four and a half um, leather shoulder pads. <laughs> nice. How about you, Ian? Yeah, I really don't like this episode. Um, the special effects on the, the car and war machine or whatever it's called are awful. Listen to the Babylon Project if you really want to know what it looks like, but I'm not going to mention it here. Um, and, oh, it's just really bad in an awful lot of places. The only saving grace is some great lines from Garibaldi and Ivanova and a bit of character development here and there. So I'm going to give it four out of five power surges. Four out of five? Four out of ten. Four Sorry, out of ten. four out of ten. Oh. Four out of ten. Oh, you <laughs> four out of five. Don't so high. <laughs> 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 oh, as for me, yeah, I didn't like it either. <laughs> I think you've all, I think we, enough has been said. I'll give it six out of ten weird skin rashes. That might be being a little bit generous with my score. So yeah, I, well, you know. I hate coming on and being like the negative Nancy, but you know, whatever. It's, no, believe me, it's, no, it's, it's, it's the episode. It's not. Yeah. It's not you. And, this, and I, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't have known either way what to be on. You know, so I was exactly. like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I blame I, you, Will. Because yeah, you I picked it. I didn't. I didn't remember <laughs> the episode. When I, yeah, I didn't remember <laughs> the episode when I picked. I just picked one at random. So well, it's good to know that this worse episode because it's all up from here right yeah hopefully well i was gonna say melanie if you want to come on again i can um try and pick a better episode for you <laughs> absolutely that would probably be really yeah <laughs> i would have given like soul hunter like an eight and a half like i really liked soul hunter but it know, was some good people are, yeah so it does me like oh i hate the show no i i think when it's good it's good when it's <laughs> you know so yeah so our combined score for this episode was four and a half. <laughs> that was fun. So how about... So, uh, yeah. yeah. What's our highest rated episode so far? The highest rated one so far is The Gathering. The Gathering, okay. All right. So how about some feedback? Let me see. Let's start out with email. Uh, we have an email from Jan. Sorry about... Sorry we messed up your name, Jan. Uh, who wants to read this email? Or it could be Yan. Yan. Because she said Danish, right? I don't know. Yeah. Is, don't a, know. is it a guy's name? No, I, think I don't know. I think it might be. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it right. We're, we're not sure. Um, I'll read it. Okay. Main plot of this one is a bit generic. Man taken over by machine. Interesting to see how Dr. Franklin's interest was piqued when he realized that the tech was organic. Organic technology. Of course, Earth Force Bioweapons Department wants this. Living ships and weapons. Cylons! That was me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, question raised by the episode. Why were the Akarans attacked several times a thousand or so years ago? Of course, mm-hmm. the thinly veiled reference to fanaticism and purity of race is a nod to history and quite relevant to present day politics as well. Once again, we have Sinclair risking his own life. Looks like a pattern by now, doesn't it? It looks like Garibaldi has noticed, and his comment about it being easier to find something worth dying for than something worth living for is quite poignant. 
The main plot reminded me a bit of a first season Trek Next Generation episode, The Arsenal of Freedom, where they find a dead planet destroyed by their own weapons. Sinclair talking the machine down reminds me of the original Trek season 2 episode, The Changeling, with Captain Kirk's logic reasoning to the probe they encounter saving the day. The subplot with the reporter was at times amusing. I liked Sinclair's comment on saying what he felt in an interview and being transferred to an outpost so far away you couldn't find it with a Ouija board and a hunting dog. Who said Sinclair has no sense of humor? I love Sinclair's speech about why we should go into space. Interesting combination of names that he lists. The line about the reporter being too young to experience so much pain gives us a bit more insight into Ivanova's character, or maybe just reinforces it. All in all, not such an original episode, although it does give us a bit more insight into the main human characters, and we now know that organic tech exists. To me, the redeeming aspects are the speech on why space is worth it and the snippets of humor. Favorite human? Garibaldi. Favorite alien? Hmm. Not much choice, is there? The Akaran? Favorite quote? Ivanova. You'll excuse me. If you need me, I'll be right over here, getting drunk with the rest of the aliens. Mm -hmm. All the best, and you novices have fun with watching Babylon 5 for the first time. Jan from Denmark, a.k.a. the Babylon Lurker. P.S. My name is pronounced like Jan in my own language. Not a big deal, but some people might think of another great Babylon 5 fan called Jan. Thank you. Thank you. We are having fun. Yeah, he gives these uh, websites as well. Um, He he can be found at babylonlurker.net slash blog. Definitely going to have to take a quick look at that. Yeah. Maybe not Although your newbies, though. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. Cool. Uh, next, we have an email from Jason who wants to read that. Okay, I'll, I'll try again. Sorry. Um, okay, from Jason. This episode suffers from a severe pacing problem. Yeah, I think it does. Which seems to be caused by the editing. And that monster of the week who doesn't seem very scary, it falls pretty flat. It does give you some good character moments with Garibaldi and Franklin. Sinclair's speech about why we explore space is my favourite part of the episode, and mostly the reason I cl- include it in rewatches. And then later on he adds, there's a nice callback to the first episode. The best way to understand someone is to fight him, make him angry. Yeah, Sinclair did say that in the um, opening episode, didn't he? In what the, was that in uh, relation to? Uh, that last quote. Um, it's something Sinclair said in the pilot. The best what did way he say to it about, though, in the, in the pilot? What was the context? No, no, that? He said there's a nice callback to the first episode. The best. No, way I know, but under- where in the first yeah. episode does Sinclair say that? Do you, does anybody remember? I don't, I don't remember. remember. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, um... Uh, at least his consistency of character. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, we also have some Facebook feedback from Lori. Um, I agree with Jan that it does seem a bit predictable, but it was nice to see more of the doctor, like the interactions between Sinclair and Garibaldi, especially at the end when we get an explanation of why the commander is always taking off on dangerous missions. Did miss all the ambassadors. Hey, too, Lori. It was strange not seeing any of them. Alien of the week hybrid killing monster as i do not recall his name human the doctor thanks Lori. thanks Lori. jason and yon hey thanks everyone for your feedback so we got our first yes, voicemail feedback Ooh. 
Let's awesome. see if I can play this without blowing your eardrums out. Be careful. See if this works. Yes, please don't blow my eardrums out. <laughs> I like my eardrums. Hi guys, this is Shane from the Reginald's IntroCast here. Hopefully you've all survived infection. Um, I'm sure Withers informed you that this was the first episode filmed. And boy, does it show. <sighs> um, I hope you guys like this. I can't actually stand this particular episode. Except for one reason. David McCallum. Yeah, that's right. Ilya Kiriakin. He's been, always been one of my favourite episode, uh, favourite actors even. And I'm just so shocked that he put his name to something which is so mind-numbingly bad. Um, yeah, as I said, I really dislike this episode. I would have to give this episode 2 out of 10 pro-tax. <laughs> I hopefully I'll speak to you guys via now next week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, thanks. Yay. See, you don't feel so bad now, Melanie. That's no, right. I don't, actually. You didn't write it low. Um, so which actor was that that he was talking about? Was that uh, the guy that played, um, yeah, the doc, uh, Dr. Rance. Yeah, um, Iria Kuriakin to know the role he played. I can't remember no, whether that's the role he played on Prisoner or something else. That's the man from Uncle, I think. That's it. Yes, I knew it was something like that. Okay. Well, thanks for the feedback, everybody. Um, Okay, then. Yes, I hope we get some more audio feedback because um, that was cool. My first bit yeah. of audio. <laughs> so the next episode we are doing is called The Parliament of Dreams and our special guest will be Nettie. Yay, cool. Nettie. Seriously, Yay. it's called The Parliament of Dreams. Oh my yes. goodness. <laughs> 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 so any predictions and Melanie, feel free to join in. I, yeah, I think we'll this, get some something about the government in some way. That's what I would think. But I don't know why it's of dreams. <laughs> We're going to explore through dreams the hole in Sinclair's mind. <laughs> yes. Maybe we're going to rather explore it through song, but. Ooh, song. <laughs> song and dance. Oh my gosh, a musical episode. Yes. <laughs> that would, that would be very, um, what's the word Pretty I'm looking talking. for? For like. For the fifth episode of a series, you know, to go for a musical episode. Yeah. That, yeah. Round, very clean. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I was thinking maybe it was going to be about, like, um, oh, like the presidents. Like, they, they just had their election. Maybe we're going to learn more about them, maybe. I don't know. Like, uh, Santiago. Is that, was that his name? Did I just make that up? But, um, but yeah. I don't no, know. I think did it, he won, right? Yeah, Santiago, Santiago yeah. won. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I wonder if this is anything to do with the Grey Council. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I even try to make sense of this title. Um, it's wishful thinking. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Heidi, anything? I've just got my theory of the whole Save in Claire's mind. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's well, right. That'd be cool. Um, Again, wishful <laughs> thinking. <laughs> Or, I don't know, if for some reason I keep thinking, um, um, Rousseau's character, what's her name? The, the ambassador? The Len. The Len? Yeah, yeah, I keep, I don't know, it's something about that title, just, um, 
speaks to her, and, and she was uh, powerful on her country too. You know, we know nothing really about that um, except that she is and why she's there. And so, I don't know. It could have something to do with that movie. But. Yeah, hopefully it has something to do with that. The Great Council, and we get a little so bit more could information. Be right. Yeah, could yeah. be something to do with Membari. Oh, could or be the Vorlons. With us, could be anything. <laughs> it really, really could. <laughs> That's the problem with these episode titles. They could be anything. <laughs> Infection was a dream to predict for. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I so want to hear your big theory, though, Elizabeth. Yeah, you had <laughs> okay. one earlier. So, last week we had that title about the Home Guard, right? Mm-hmm. This week we had stuff we learned about um, the pro-Earth movement and hate groups tar- targeting aliens. I wonder if the Home Guard has something to do with that. And I wonder if we're going to find uh, this, we're going to follow this growing um, pro-Earth movement. And it's going to be, maybe the signs importance has to do with that in terms of uh, racism. And um, there's going to be like a huge uprising on Earth where I guess the the pro-Earth movement takes gets more followers. Uh, and then maybe there's some race violence. And I don't know, maybe that causes conflict on the Babylon station. I don't know. That's kind of like where my mind is going. Uh, so I think so maybe the Home Guard that, has something to do with that. If that was to spell out, you know, who whose lives would that touch? Uh, it's an interesting well, thing. probably everybody. But... Yeah. Um, there seems to be a lot of people from Earth on the Babylon station, naturally. Um, so they would have to, I mean, the security would be high and maybe there would be decrees from Earth about, you know, <clears throat> who can be there and who can't be there. And um, I don't know. It, it could have some really great implications for where the show goes. And I really hope they explore it more. Yeah. So my theory kind of goes along the same vein as yours as far as like the pro-Earth movement. But I was thinking, wondering if maybe the humans on Babylon 5 would side with the aliens in some sort of conflict. Like maybe they mm-hmm. would sort of rebel against Earth because they have had all this contact with alien species and, and living together with them. And right. so I'm wondering if maybe it would take that sort of a direction where like Babylon 5 will be cut off from Earth because and maybe, like, become a sort of a rebel space station of some sort. Now I'm going right. to Star Wars. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I think it could definitely go there because we, at least the top people that we see on the Babylon are pretty friendly towards all races. Um, maybe there's, like, a there's a, se- a portion of the Earth Earthlings, Earthers, on the Babylon 5 that don't agree with, you know, how which side they're taking... So there might be some riots or something. Um, yeah, I, I really, really, really hope it goes there. <laughs> but that's such a small corner of the universe, you know, just dealing with Earth. Why do we just want to deal with Earth? What about the um, other races? You know, you've got to have some theories of what happens on the Membar with the Membari or the Centauri. The Nans as well, you know. Um, Dakar's really quite militant at the moment. Maybe he's got a role to play in the future. Yeah, but we don't even see them every episode. Like, they really yeah. focus on the Earth people on this show so far. So there's really yeah, not much we could predict on. And Sinclair is so much in charge that it's kind of like Earth is in charge of Babylon 5, at least at this point in my perspective. Because mm-hmm. okay. didn't Earth 
create Babylon 5? Isn't that what they say? Uh, early on as well, you get uh, you, you find out that um, the Membari um, had some input as well, but not much, but you, you're right. Because they created the first Babylon station after the Earth-Membari War in order to promote you know, talks and peace between the worlds. Um, well, well, I'm she more about, you know, the different races. Um, I, you know, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in knowing why, why we would have wanted to like create this United Nations of Worlds. Was it just to like police the rest of the world, you know, like get them to, you know, like put our control over the rest of the world or of worlds or, you know, was it, um, you know, we were trying to do a cooperation like our, you know, so it's interesting on that level um, that it would be interesting if it was started to just sort of like be, you know, a police, you know, a way to control the Earth people, to control the rest of the universe. Um, that's one thing. And if it, you know, if Babylon 5, they start going the other direction, I could see that serving as some form of discontent. But hopefully we learn a little bit more as to what the purpose of it was originally besides just talks, you know. What was their accomplishment on that? Was it like a union or was it, you know, I don't know. Hopefully the, um, the, the biotech comes into it again. And um, I, I guess that's all for now. Well, Melanie, thank you for joining us today. I hope you will come back sometime. Is there anywhere else we can find you on the web? Well, definitely Resurrection Cast, uh, yeah. resurrectioncast.blogspot.com. Oh, yeah. It's a great podcast. Everybody check it out. Yeah, yeah. listen to that. I'm planning a BSG rewatch soon, so to check that out. We're very talkative, but we're we're a lot of fun. So I think so. You know, mm-hmm. I really love the show. I really do. Oh, thank you, thank you. One of the inspirations for me getting me moving on this show. And we did, we did pro, we did plug you guys in um, our episode for Razor. We did mention you guys because oh, thank oh, you. We're oh, really thank happy. You. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right, great. Well, hopefully uh, we hear you again, Melanie. You come back yeah. on again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I've just got the list up here. I'll talk to you after <laughs> the show, maybe at some point about it. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. That's all we have for today, everybody. Join us next week for the Parliament of Dreams. Until then, take care and goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Look for us on the web in iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Also at downbelowpodcast.com facebook.com slash group slash down below podcast and also on twitter at down below cast